You can be seated. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can. That, uh, the bridge to that song, it's, it's become a mantra uh, in my life in the last weeks since we started learning it as a church family. By the way, my name's Todd. I haven't seen a lot of you in a while. Um, I get to serve as one of the pastors here, and it's so good to be back with our Norwalk campus family. Um, it's, yes. But the, <laughs> your power in surrender, your strength when I was weak, your patience in the waiting, provision for my need, your heart when mine was broken, your will for my desire, your peace within the chaos, your presence in the fire. <laughs> the reason I haven't been out here for a while is because we've been going through for the last 18 months a horrendous journey for our son's health, Carter. He's 16 years old now. And... Uh, He's had all kinds of neurological and psychological issues as a result of this physiological thing that we just can't seem to make it better. So I want you to know, like, when we sing these songs, I'm, I am just, I'm with you. Like, I'm holding on to these songs. I'm holding on to these, these truths, just like many of you are. Some of you walked into this room and you need his presence in the midst of the fire that you're in. You need his peace in the midst of the chaos of whatever's going on in the life of your family or friendships or work world. Or, or these are sometimes maybe these are just words that we sing, and we're all, we're all guilty of that, man. But sometimes it's everything, isn't it? It's why we sing. It's why we remind ourselves of these truths. And I just wanted to say, since I haven't been here, been able to be here for a while, part of, again, part of that's Carter. Part of it, I've been spending a lot of extra time out with our Port Clinton campus family almost every weekend. Uh, but, but from Lisa and I and our family, uh, thank you. Thank you. Many of you, you've been in the journey with us. Many of you we've, we've had friendship and a relationship with for years. And you've been praying for Carter. You follow us on Facebook or you, you've cared. You've reached out. A sweet woman goes to this campus. She sends a card to Carter almost every month. Just, just a dear woman that's just showing love to our son. And I got a card sitting down there on my... That's what a church family is. I'm not just a pastor. Like I, We've felt the love of just being part of church family. And I hope you, you are feeling that in your life and... You know what a difference you make in one another's lives. Like what we have here, it's a gift. It's, it matters big time. We need each other. God's word says, grieve with those who grieve and rejoice with those who rejoice. So I just wanted to say before we go further, just thank you for, for loving each other, for caring, for praying, doing that for one another, and, and yeah, doing that for us as well. Thank you. Thanks, team, for leading us. Man. A couple of the things we want to let you guys know about, um, man, a special, special opportunity this uh, coming up uh, for our ladies. We're calling it our Galentine's Evening, okay? So get your gals together. We'll put uh, some info on the screens for you. 
Uh, it's a chocolate and cheese night, or cheese and chocolate night, however you want to say it, whichever is more important to you, say that word first, okay? Uh, Tuesday, February 7th, 6 to 7.30, uh, on a monthly basis, we have our renewed women's event. Once a month, we come together, and it's all the ladies from all campuses, all together in Sandusky, but then every other month... We, we do something specifically at each individual campus, so this is an opportunity just for you Norwalk ladies to get together, to share life together, to enjoy one another's company. You're going to get to um, enjoy cheese and chocolate and each other, and you're going to get some tips on how to make a charcuterie board. I just said that properly, didn't I? <laughs> I practiced because I was, I was like paranoid, I'm going to mess this up, charcuterie board. Uh, so... Just come and have fun. This is a great event to invite somebody, ladies, too, that maybe maybe you don't know that they would come to church on a Sunday, but, man, they might come out to a nice evening, and it might be the doorway for somebody for their next step closer to Jesus. And uh, so invite a friend. If you, if you have kids especially, we need you to register by texting the word cheese. That's just funny to me. Just text the word cheese. The 419-504-1777. This info is in the worship program for you as well. And so, ladies, come on out to the special Galentine's event, all right? Also, another special event, and this one isn't only for the ladies. This one's for any widows or widowers. Uh, A few years ago, we started this event, and it's a Valentine's Day luncheon. It's open to men and women that have lost their spouse uh, on a day, man, when it can feel awfully hard and lonely Uh, We want people to know they're deeply loved by God and by others, and uh, so we want to invite you to come and be part of that. There's more information. In fact, there's little info cards that look just like this out at the Welcome Center. Uh, You can also stop at the Welcome Center today to register. Um, Just give them your name and basic contact info, or you can register by emailing welcome at thechapel.family, or you can call uh, the chapel office during the week and get registered that way. Please share this with friends, um, other widows or widowers. Um, You can take a couple extra cards and invite a friend, um, but we need to know here in the next couple weeks if you are planning to join us. So we do need to register because Charles and Pastor Eric, they've got some great things planned for our Sandusky and Norwalk campuses coming together. You guys are going to meet right here at the Norwalk location though, which is nice. And uh, some some food and some, some fun some laughter, some gifts, some, some worship, and uh, you are not going to want to miss the Valentine's Widows and Widowers Luncheon, okay? So take advantage of that. Also, this uh, today is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and uh, here at the chapel, we, we believe in life and we value life from the cradle to the grave, okay? Um, every, and everything in between, life matters because God is the giver of life and we're created in the image of God and uh, so uh, this past week, um, a family of ours that has really fallen in love with the idea of adoption and fostering, they, they, they love life and they love sharing life and extending life. And that's, what, that's just one way to get behind um, valuing life. And, and uh, this is the Robinson family, uh, Dr. Larry Robinson. He's actually served as one of our elders. He, he, he's uh, interestingly, although they also care for little ones and take them into their homes, he actually serves um, at hospice and, and cares for people in their last, last days. And uh, their family put together this little video for us. So let's take a watch at the screens. Hi, Chapel family. I'm Larry Robinson. This is my wife, Emily, and our kids, Trey, Charlotte, Caleb, and Evelyn, and Charlie. 
We hold very close to our hearts the sanctity of life, and we try to show that in many different ways, but especially by being a foster family over the past five years. It's a privilege to be able to care for the foster kids, the vulnerable foster kids in our system uh, here locally, while supporting their biologic parents as they work to try to improve and uh, get better. We are a certified foster family through the Erie County Children's Services and have had the opportunity to foster six kids and recently adopted Charlie. Over the years, some Bible passages have really encouraged us and spoken to our hearts. Isaiah 117. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause, the case of the, the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Well. James 127. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure, faultless is this. Mm -hmm. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Ephesians 1 5. In love he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Thanks, guys. Let's bow our heads and pray. Bye. Dear Father, we thank you for the love and grace you've shown each of us every day. And we remember today that you have created all people in your image and for your glory. We pray that you would give us hearts to show compassion towards all people, from those still in the womb, to children and adults, and to the elderly. Help us to be the kind of church that shows love and care to those in need, to the marginalized and vulnerable in our communities, and to the poor and the disabled and the sick. Remind us of the love you showed us when you sent your son down to die for us so that we could be adopted into your family. Help us to show this kind of love to others. Now, as we open your word, we pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. I loved hearing little Charlie in there go, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can give an mm-hmm to that, can't we? Yeah, we can. Well, it's good to be with you, and today we're going to continue our series in the book of Galatians. For the last couple of weeks, we've begun journeying chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through this powerful letter. It's written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to a group of churches that probably he had a hand in helping start in the region of Galatia. And uh, before we look at uh, chapter 2 in part, I uh, wanted to just have a few, few minutes of fun because there's something that happens in this particular passage that creates a scene or a scenario that's, that's similar to that that we see in some, some well-known movies. In fact, I want to ask you the question, what do these movies have in common, okay? And I'm going to give you a clue. You don't have to worry about looking for um, a same actor or actress in the movie, okay? Uh, it has to do more with a specific scene or setting, so think about that. What do these have in common? This is going to date me a little bit. Back to the Future, awesome, awesome film. I mean, I think there's multiple ones of these. Carter and I just watched this the other night and uh, love it. I love it every time, right? Uh, Back to the Future, so you're starting to think, okay, what, is it, what does that have in common with Mrs. Doubtfire? That's a great flick, um, causes a lot of laughters. Uh, or uh, Legally Blonde. Okay, now you're really starting like, okay, gosh, what in the heck do all these have in common? Or... I mean, a classic, right? Christmas Vacation, you just watched it probably over the holidays or whatever. Um, and then, uh, ooh, Indiana Jones, love this kind of, kind of whole series, right? Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, there's, there's a scenario or a scene that, that's similar to all the others. And then, well, another great Christmas classic, right? I mean, it's become a Christmas classic, Elf, right? Now, um, 
some of you are like, okay, what is it? Okay, here's all six. What do they all have in common? One scene. You're thinking, you're perusing, you're wondering, you're confused. All right, so I'm going to give it away. So actually, uh, what, what all these movies have in common is a similar family room dinner table scenario where everybody's around the family table sharing a meal and, well, let's be honest, there's some real awkwardness, okay? In all of those movies, we have a scene like that. Some of them are more funny scenes. Some of them are just downright uncomfortable scenes. And perhaps, you know, you had some of those scenes at your own, you know, Christmas gatherings or or New Year's get-togethers, and you yourself were a little bit worried about what your own cousin Eddie was going to say at the table or, or your Aunt Betty might bring up. And nothing is worse when you're in like this nice, you know, family gathering, and then all of a sudden somebody brings up politics or religion or, or worse yet, somebody decides to confront somebody at the table about an issue or, you know, bring up an issue about them or against them. You ever had that happen? Well, that is exactly the scenario that we're going to step into in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. And the, the scenario is one where really two titans of the faith and two leaders in the early church, Paul and Peter, and Paul is going to confront Peter about a dinner table situation. And so if you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be the whole time that we're looking at God's Word together. Galatians 2, you can follow along in your Bible or on your smartphone. Um, I'm going to put a lot of the verses on the screen, so we'll kind of walk through the verses, and then we're going to make some observations. And then by the end of our time, I want to share three, three key lessons or three steps of freedom that I think... Paul was reminding us about, okay? So Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, Paul, Paul's writing this, he says, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he had done was very wrong. So the question is like, well, what did he do? What did he do that, that Paul's going to oppose him to his face? Like, call him out, get up in his grill, like, uh, you know, attack him about, about this situation. Now, the scenario is, again, Peter's in Antioch, and Antioch was primarily a uh, Gentile region. And in that day, there was kind of these two main groups of people. There were the Jews, who were the religious and rule-following and God-fearing, and then there were the Gentiles, who were the kind of let's just have fun in life, like do whatever makes you feel good. Like, but, but people from both the Jewish religious background and people that were kind of the live life your own way had all started to come into a relationship with Jesus, and, and Jesus was changing people's lives. And that's what made up the Galatian church. And so Paul's now writing back to this church, and there's this thing going on, this, this thing that Paul is now upset with Peter about. So the question is, well, what is it? All right. With that context, it says, when he first arrived, speaking about Peter, when Peter first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers. Now just stop right there uh, and let's kind of help unpack that a little bit. He's in uh, this region and Peter comes in. Peter, who's typically used to hanging out mostly with a Jewish audience that have given their lives to Jesus. 
some of which are still very tied to their uh, religiosity and some of their rules, the, the, the Mosaic law. And uh, so when he says that when he first got there, he was sitting around and he was eating with Gentiles, there would have been some Jewish people and certainly even some Jewish people that had put faith in Christ. They were like, wait, should he really be hanging out with those Gentile people? I mean, they don't follow the rules like we do, right? But, but, but this was not the thing that Paul would be upset with Peter about. In fact, Paul was proud of Peter at first because he's mingling with the Gentiles. You see, years before, Peter had had a vision from God that helped him come to the realization that all people come to faith in Jesus the same way. And it's not through the rules or through the law. It's through faith. Faith in God's promise. Faith in Jesus as the Savior of the world. And so he realized that the thing that unites us, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, is Jesus and faith in him. And so Peter was having this freedom, and he's, he's sitting down having a meal with the Gentiles. Having a meal in that day it was a sign of deep friendship and loyalty, even like covenantal kind of community. The problem is what happens next. It says uh, he first arrived there, he ate with the Gentiles who were not circumcised, which was part of kind of the Mosaic law of the day, and the Gentiles, they didn't follow that law. It says, but afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Wait, so, so which is it, Peter? Like, uh, you come into town and you're hanging out with the Gentiles and eating with them and fellowshipping with them, and then all of a sudden, now you're backing off. You're like, no, I don't eat with those people. What's this about? Well, it's because James and some of his buddies had come. And the text says he was afraid, that is, Peter was afraid of criticism from these people who, incest, who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. They, they, they were insisting that even Gentile believers who weren't Jewish by heritage, once they had come to a relationship with Jesus, that they should still follow all the Jewish laws. And they were still pushing for that. And now Peter, he's a little bit nervous because he's not been pushing them to follow the law because they don't have to. He understood that we're free in Jesus from that law. But now he's worried about pleasing people. We were reminded a few weeks ago, like real freedom does not come. It's not Jesus plus pleasing people that leads to freedom. It's Jesus plus nothing equals real freedom. And so Paul takes issue with this. And it says, as a result, other Jewish believers who followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So, and Paul is calling them out for hypocrisy. It's, it's believing or saying one thing and doing or living something else. And that's what was happening with Peter. He had told people, we're free from the law, and we're one in Christ. We're free to be united together. and we're, 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 We can sit at the same table. We can eat the same food. I mean, they had food restrictions in the Jewish law. You couldn't eat, get this, you couldn't eat bacon. Thank the Lord Jesus, I'm not Jewish. I, and then that I'm free. Like, one, one, Tim Hawk is one of the Christian comedians. He says, bacon's so good, it's, it's the only food that, like you throw it in the frying pan and it applauses itself. It's like, <laughs> right? 
I mean, you can, you can wrap anything in bacon and it makes it better, right? We had water chestnut. What, what's a water chestnut? It's like a crunchy, no-flavor thing. But man, you put bacon and barbecue sauce around that? Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent. I'm just thinking of Peter, all of a sudden now he's, he's retracting and he's not eating with the Gentiles and he's not eating their food and it's sending all kinds of mixed signals. It's causing hypocrisy and it's even leading people astray. Even Barnabas, and, and Paul takes issue with this because Barnabas, Barnabas had been instrumental in Paul's faith development. He was an encourager. He, Barnabas kind of vouched for the apostle Paul after he came to Christ with the rest of the, the apostles of the day. And now even Barnabas is kind of questioning his faith and thinking, well, maybe, I don't know, I know I believed in Jesus, but maybe I do need to still keep this, these old rules and laws in order to, to stay right with God or something. And so Paul is calling him out. He says, he says uh, when I saw what they, that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, because this is what this is about for Paul. This is why he's going to get up in Peter's grill. This is why he's taking this seriously and he's going to confront it. He says, I said to Peter in front of all the others. So like, here's, here it is at the dinner table. Except for it's, there's like two dinner tables now because the Jews have to be over there and the Gentiles now evidently have to be over here. He says, uh, so I said in front of everybody, verse, uh, yeah, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make the Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look more at why the, what the purpose of the law really was but at the bottom line was that they didn't have to follow that Old Testament rule anymore. And now, by Peter's actions, he's sending a message to the Gentiles, oh, you better not eat, you know, I can't eat with you, and you can't eat those certain things, and you need to be circumcised and follow the, all the laws and rules, and it's leading people astray, and Paul calls them out. In fact, it says, when it says, when, they, when I saw that they weren't following the truth of the gospel, the word there, it starts with a prefix that we know in our English language, um, but in the original Greek language, it's the word ortho. We know ortho, like some of you have been to the orthodontist, right? Or you sent your kids, or you sent like a lot of checks to the orthodontist, right? Like Carter just got out of his braces. It's like, we're rich now. You know, I mean... It's crazy, but the, the, the whole point of orthodontics, it's to bring alignment to the teeth, right? Like our girls, when they were young, they needed some alignment. Lainey's teeth were all jacked up. Let me tell you, she was so cute. I remember when we decided to go, go to get um, you know, braces and stuff, I'm like, no, we should just leave them. Keep the boys away. Like they might look at her, and they'd be like, "Ooh, look at that girl!" And then she'd smile, and they'd be like, "Oh, look at that girl!" Like, huh? <laughs> but we, Lisa made us get them. So for the girls, now they they've got beautiful smiles that go with all the rest of their beauty. And uh, the you know, I don't know. I haven't had to beat any boys off of them too hard yet. So, but uh, the whole point of orthodontics, sorry, or orthopedics, right? It's to it's to realign a bone. That's been broken, right? And Paul's saying, I noticed that Peter and the people, they were not aligning themselves with the truth of the gospel. 
something was out of whack, something was out of line, and what was out of line is they were trying to now follow the rules and the laws in order to get to God, or, or at least to stay good with God. And Paul's saying, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals real freedom. You've been called to, to be free. And Paul goes on as he's talking to Peter. He says, you and I, we're Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. He's probably tongue-in-cheek here, like we aren't like them, people that are way out there. He's like, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, guys. Not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we've obeyed the law, for no one, he says, will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So essentially, Paul's saying, why are you trying to get them to keep following the law? And why are you now following the law by not associating, not eating with them? And this is leading people astray. This is why Paul was upset, and he had to confront Peter about it. And then Paul goes on. As he ends this, passage, this part of the passage, he says, My old self, it's been crucified with Christ. And, and that, for Paul, included his old law, rule-following uh, ways that he thought would get him to God. He had come to the realization that the only thing that would get him to God was the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the grave and belief in Christ as his only hope, his only Savior. He says, for in keeping the law, nobody could be made right with God. So J.D. Greer is helpful, um, pastor that we follow, and he says there's three things that we see in this passage that uh, Paul is enunciating that first and foremost, we have been freed to unite, to come together, to be one. Um, this is what Paul's getting upset about. He's like, Peter, you've just created two dinner tables when they're supposed to be one. We're free to be one with these Gentile believers because they believe in the same Jesus as we've believed in. There was a beautiful picture of this kind of unity, oneness that happened a, a few weeks ago, and uh, we talked about it a little bit last weekend, but um, in the Buffalo Bills game, and DeMar Hamlin is injured, and even if you weren't watching the game, then probably after the fact, at some point on the news or on YouTube, you know, you, you heard about what had happened, and I mean, it was, it was scary, and it was a life-and-death situation, and in that moment, it wasn't just, you know, the Buffalo Bills said, let's pray, and, you know, uh, the Bengals said, man, we're going to win this now. <laughs> No, everybody took a knee. Everybody took a knee. They, 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 it didn't matter what team you were on anymore. It didn't matter what, what was on the front of your jersey anymore because there was something that was bigger and more important that united them. They were human beings, and life was at stake, and they were, they were just all football players, and they were all in the same field team didn't matter anymore. And this is what Paul's getting at. He's, in fact, later in chapter 3 of Galatians, Paul will say, I want you to know there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, bills or bangles, <laughs> for we are one in Christ. He's, he's reminding us that we're in Christ, we're freed to unite, to be one. And, and for uh, you and I, we might not be challenged by some of those. I mean, it's not about 
oh, maybe it is, and maybe you don't eat bacon, and you're offended by me, or, you know, or you're vegetarian. But listen, that's not going to get in between us because we've got Jesus, okay? Uh, but there's, there are things that, for us, can get in the way of unity, right? Sometimes it's the color of our skin. Sometimes it's socioeconomic backgrounds. Sometimes it's job status. Sometimes it's our political positions or swayings. None of those are things that should divide us, especially, especially if we've got Jesus, especially if we're the church together. It's why we, sometimes we need to rub shoulders with people that are different than us to realize that we're more alike than we believe or that we think. It's why we send teams on short-term missions to go, yes, and serve others that may have less, but it's also to do something in our own hearts, in our own lives, and to help us become more unified in what the point of all this is. It's, it's Jesus and people's lives. The, this year, we're going to take several mission, short-term mission trips. Maybe you're, you're considering going. We're going to send a team uh, to Cuba with Filter of Hope, provide clean water for families that might not have it. We're going to send a, a group to Burundi, to our village that we've adopted there. We're going to send, for the very first time, a, a team to the Basque country in northern Spain um, and an orphanage in Mexico. I've been, I got to go to Brazil years ago. Um, a few years back, I got to go to India. Pastor Jay invited me. Honestly, when he invited me, I'm like, of all the places that I'd go on a mission trip, India, like, I don't know, don't they just answer phones over there, you know, and, and, and I mean, like, or, or, I mean, these are the, I'm just being honest with you, like, I didn't want to go to India. I didn't, I felt like, I don't know, I don't, I just don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a heart for it, I don't feel like I would relate. He's like, you should just come, I'm so, okay. Man, I mean, we don't know what we don't know. And I rubbed shoulders with some people, and like it knit something in my heart. And because there were other brothers and sisters in Jesus, and they looked different, and they smelled different, and they had completely different cultures, and they worshiped different. And but man, it, we loved each other. We were one because there was so much, something so much bigger and more important than our country, or our background, or our skin color. We're freed to be united in Jesus, but we're also freed to confront, and we see that in the passage, right? Paul calls Peter out, and he calls him out pretty strongly. But he does so because there's something greater at stake. The very message of the gospel was at stake. The Proverbs says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but a fool just multiplies kisses, just tells you what you want to hear. But a real friend will speak the truth even if it hurts a little bit. And we're freed in Christ to confront. Sometimes we need to confront, or sometimes, truth be told, maybe we need to be confronted, Right? If somebody suggests that there's more to the gospel than just Jesus, well, that's what was happening with Paul and with Peter. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's Jesus plus nothing. Or if there's an air of superiority over someone else, we should call that out if we're fellow believers. If, if religion and relig rituals, they shroud the simplicity of the gospel, that may need to be 
discussed or talked about or confronted, or if there's a scent of hypocrisy, like there was with Peter, Paul called it out, or if there's more passion for winning arguments than for the gospel. Man, this is a dangerous one that we have to work on hard because, man, we want to be right and we want to win the argument, don't we? But what's, what's it going to cost for that? What's really at stake? It's the gospel. And finally, Lee, because of Jesus, we're freed to really live, to be united, to confront, but also to really, really live. Remember what Paul said? It's my old self, it's been crucified. In other words, my old self, my old rule following, when that was the whole focus, and I thought that's the way to get to God, it's been crucified with Christ. And so my old life, I'm not even alive anymore, but he says, but Christ lives in me, and so now I live this whole new life. And it's a life that goes beyond life. <laughs> and it's only found in Jesus. You want to really live, like really live. I mean, not just get by, not just hang in there. And I know I'm hanging in there. And some of you, you're, you're just hanging in there. But I'm holding on to the promise that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. That there's more to life. That God is bigger than life. And even if this life is unfair at times, there's something that's bigger and greater. And we, as followers of Jesus, can step into that freedom. And if you're here this weekend and you don't know that kind of freedom, you're missing out. You're missing out. You'll, you'll never be able to find the brotherhood and sisterhood of believers. It, it just goes beyond everything. And, and you just know you're part of a family. And, and you'll, you'll be afraid to confront because, you know, you're still trying to live and trying to make everybody around you happy when the number one person that we live to make happy is Jesus himself. And when we have that posture, then it, it frees us to not worry as much about what everybody else thinks or feels. And we'll never be free to really live. And not just live, as Jesus described it, an abundant life in the here and now, but an eternal life with Christ as our hope beyond the grave. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this hope. Thank you for this freedom. Forgive us for when we slip back into old ways of thinking that keep us from you or old ways of living where we're trying to prove or get our way to you. Help us to rest in Christ and Christ alone. To find great freedom in that, that. That is the very thing that propels us to want to follow you and live for you. And help us to extend that freedom towards others. In Christ's name we pray together. Amen. Have a great rest of your weekend.